Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 303, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. Yes, friends, and we shall do our best. We've got Dallas and Detroit, the two Thanksgiving staples, playing each other (laughs) now a week before Halloween. So we got to get into that. Apparently, Jacques has cracked the code on Micah Parsons to figure out if Philly cracked the code. You figured out, did Philly crack the code, so you found the code to crack Philly's code. You're damn right. Which is kind of awesome. So we'll get into that. Clarence Hill Jr. is going to join us. The Dallas Mavericks season began. Did you realize that, man? Because I got to tell you, honestly, and I hate to admit this, I've been so busy with college football and everything going on. I saw they were playing the Suns, and I was like, man, they're making a big deal out of this for a preseason game. And then I started, I was like, oh, my God, they're opening the season already? Dude, um, I'm not. I wasn't to that point. Like they're making a big deal out of this. It's for a preseason game. I was at the point of, oh, so the Mavs are playing the Suns in a preseason game. I just thought I didn't. I had no idea the season was about to start. I know. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. It seems so early. Like I don't know why. I, it, I, I keep for whatever reason in my mind. I'm like hockey in October and the NBA starts at the beginning of November. But I don't know. I mean, it, it's October 19th. The, the Dallas Mavericks opened one of 82. Yep. I mean, that just, for whatever reason, I totally caught me off guard. And I knew they'd been playing in the preseason, just totally caught me off guard. So here we are. But before we get rolling on the Cowboys game coming up on Sunday afternoon, Greening Law, my friends. As a matter of fact, I just emailed Greening Law asking a couple of questions because they'll take care of that for me and go behind the scenes and handle all that work and crap that... I don't have to deal with because they handle it. I was hurt in a car accident and I've got some problems, man. I mean, my back, I just, we're at a point, it's like, we're trying to find out, is it ever going to be normal ever again? Is that a possibility and how you move forward from that? And they handle all that stuff with the doctors and the insurance companies. And they just tell me what to go do, who to go see so that we can get these opinions and whatnot on my back. But that's what you get when Greening Law brings you on as a client. If you are hurt in a car accident or injured on the premises of a business, you got to give them a call because the consultation's free. And if they bring you on as a client, I mean, man, do they go to work for you. Dude, I mean, that's really all you can, all you can ask from somebody, man. Uh, you know, pick up the phone, 
800-934-8900. That's what to do, dog. If you have a problem, you have an accident, there's a problem in a residence, a business, it's whatever, it's give them an opportunity to help you. You call them up and you say, hey, here's my details with my problem. What do you think? Because Matt just laid it out to you. It's a really complicated, tedious process sometimes. And you need somebody with you, holding you, guiding you, who's been through it, who can tell you where to look out for the pitfalls. Here's the questions you need to ask. Here's the help you need to get. Um, you know, and they do a great job at, at giving that information. That's very true. They do. And the consultation is absolutely free. It costs you nothing to find out if you've got a case. As Jacques told you, 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. And Dallas, Texas, for the noon kickoff on Sunday, coming your way as the Detroit Lions are coming into town. One in four, the Detroit Lions. Do you like the noon kickoff? Is that your preferred time? Yeah. Really? Yeah, when I was a, okay, put this in perspective. Um, when I played sports, whatever sport I played, um, and it was usually soccer, I played that till I was about the 11th grade. Now, I didn't necessarily like the 9 o'clock game, but I wanted to play as soon as I got up. I didn't like sitting around all day waiting for a game. To me, when I was a kid, the worst thing was to look at the schedule and see we had a 4 o'clock game. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm also, man, in going for, to college at Ohio State, we typically had a lot of, uh, let me see, I think those would be 12 o'clock kicks. So yeah, they noon were like, kicks, yeah. Yeah, and so that's like by the time you get up, take a shower, eat breakfast, and um, head to the game in time to get there for what you got to do, dude, it's, it's here. I don't like to wait. I like to play. Yeah, it's interesting. Like for me, I like my college team to play at, in the two thirty, three o'clock window, and I like my NFL. Like I love the noon kicks or the late game kicks because the noon game kick, the game gets over, and I can still do something afterwards on Sunday night. And then the late game kicks, I can go do something on Sunday if I want to, and still be right. home by seven. That that mid afternoon kick is not my friend. I'm not a fan. But I was just looking at this because, you know, the Cowboys don't kick at noon a lot of the times. I mean, obviously, everybody's got some noon st kicks that are scheduled, and this is one of a handful that they'll have through the season. You never know. Later on in the season, maybe something gets flexed into a different date. But this, this is kind of a – I mean, this just tells you everything you need to know about Detroit. Every single game they play this year is a noon kick. That means don't nobody give a damn about the Lions. They play 17, well, I kind of lied, 17 consecutive noon kicks, and on Thanksgiving they play at 11.30 a.m. Wow. I mean, that is incredible. I don't know that I've ever seen a team that every single kick was at noon. And how do they not play on Monday night? Doesn't everybody have to play on Monday night? I thought everybody had to at least get one Monday night game. I guess not because they do not have a Monday night game on their schedule. They have... They have the one Thursday game because Thanksgiving because everybody has to play on Thursday, but they've got the Thanksgiving game. And then they play. I wonder if this is why they don't have a, a Monday night game because they play on Saturday, December 24th. Maybe that. Maybe I, so. I don't know. But that's still a noon game on, on Christmas Eve. That is wild. But Detroit comes in, and this is a really interesting Detroit team because this is a Detroit team that they actually have an offense. And we kind of briefly mentioned this on our last podcast. You look at what they had done in their first four games. They scored 35 on Philly, 36 on Washington, 24 on Minnesota, 45 on Seattle, and then zero against New England. But they had put up a number. I mean, they put up over 500 yards of offense on Seattle, over 400 yards of offense on Washington and Minnesota. They have run for at least 100 yards on everybody that they've played. 
The flip side of that, obviously, I just gave you the point totals of their offense. If you're one and four, they give up a ton. Their defense is a sieve. So this is an opportunity for the Cowboys offense to get right. This is a good place for Dak Prescott to come back and uh, try to make it happen. Is that what you're saying? It would appear to be so, my friend, because you look at this man. They've had a couple of games where they got lit up through the air. They've had a couple of games. I mean, three out of their five games, they've allowed 176 yards rushing or more. So this could be a Zeke Pollard game. The, I, I And again, you look at all their games. They're one and four, but all their games, I mean, I told you their point totals. You, you really should be four and one or three and two if you're the Lions. Problem is they've given up 38, 27, 28, 48, 29. I mean, you can score at will on this team. Um, I guess we need to figure out why the defense is so bad. They don't have any pieces, man. I mean, there's a reason why they drafted Aiden Hutchinson in the first round this year. You know, they're trying to shore up their defense, and you look at who they have. I mean, Okuda, who they picked up in the draft as a high pick a couple of years ago, who really hadn't been what they were hoping that he would be, it doesn't seem like. Let's just say my Ohio State brother's been a bust. Yes, and and I was going, yes, okay, fair. You you know what, what, bro, I got love and respect for you because you're just trying to be nice. (laughs) I was, and I mean, you look at this right now, Aiden Hutchinson leads the team. He's a rookie with three sacks. He got all three of those in the Washington game outside of that when you look at their defense they have seven sacks total so the rookie Hutchinson has three of them against one team they have four sacks from everybody else on their team in their other four games wow they get no pass rush they don't get to the passer and their secondary doesn't defend they just don't have any players defensively That's not going to get it done, my brother. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, you know, when you look at this and you kind of look at how they've built their offense and some of the pieces they have offensively, they make the trade to bring in Jared Goff, who's been okay. Amon Ross St. Brown has been like a revelation at wide receiver. They went out and got Josh Reynolds and DJ Chark in free agency. They drafted DeAndre Swift at running back. And, and they've got TJ Hawkinson, who they drafted, who's been really good for them at tight end. They've got some really good offensive pieces. I think that um well let me ask you let me ask you like this. Do you think that they're going to uh be able to make it happen against that Dallas Cowboys defense? Because even though you got a lot of pieces, for me it always starts with the trigger man. And, you know, I for whatever reason I don't have a lot of respect for Jared Goff. I mean, I think he's a great dude, but just a just a guy as a quarterback. Yeah. I think most of us feel that way. And uh, I, I mean, again, you look at what they've been able to do until they ran into New England. I think they're going to score. I, I, I think they'll be kind of like Philly where they'll score a couple of touchdowns. Maybe they'll get a couple of field goals. But the flip side of this is, I, I mean, especially with Dak coming back, if they don't turn the ball over and the Cowboys want to run the ball and you can run the ball on Detroit, I mean, this just seems like a really bad matchup for the Lions because of that. Dude, it's – I mean – it, even though teams say you don't need a running game or running backs these days, it's always about if you can run the ball when you want to run it. Not you know that's really the only thing that matters when you want to run it or need to run it. Can you do that? Well, the Cowboys uh, they got three really good run blockers in their starting lineup. Mm. The two tackles and Zach Martin, uh, both backs to me are having really good seasons, and so you know I think that that's their mo. That's what they want to do, and I would be surprised if they didn't have success doing it. And uh, if they can, and I think the number for me is always like, you know, 125, 
Um, if they can hit that, then, you know, I think they'll be fine. And this is a game they should win. Yeah, and, I mean, you look at this. Detroit is allowing an average of five and a half per carry against them. They've allowed 10 rushing touchdowns so far this season. And then the flip side, and, and by the way, those numbers obviously are both second worst in the NFL. Their pass defense is allowing, or their their overall defense is allowing six and a half yards per play. That is by far the worst in the NFL. They just don't do anything well. They don't take the ball away. They don't pressure the passer. They don't get sacks. I, I mean, again, all you got to do is look at every single team they've played who has lit them up. I mean, if you're Detroit and you say, oh, success for us is when we held Washington to 27 points for our season low. <laughs> That's that we got done. I mean, and, and I got to tell you, man, I, I don't know that the Cowboys offense is that great. I, 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 I think they if Washington can get to 27 and, and the Patriots can get to 29, I, I don't know why the, the Cowboys couldn't get to 28. Well, I don't know, bro. I'm, I'd probably be happy with 24 because they've been having – I mean, they've barely been over 20. They're averaging 18 points a game. I know, but the fact that Dak's back in that, again, everything they want to do that we know they want to do offensively with their ability to run the ball and doing it with Zeke and Pollard and the fact you've got two different backs and Dak right. coming back and just taking – this to me is one of those games where I think you can have, I mean, Zeke could get 18 carries and Pollard could get 14 and you have 32 rushing attempts and you're holding Dak to 30 passes or 28 passes. And I mean, I I just have a hard time believing unless the Cowboys turn it over a lot that Detroit is going to be able to hold to, because I don't see this defense giving up a gob ton of points. Right, right. And, and, I, I believe in that. And so to me, like, if Dallas can get into the upper 20s, I mean, I just don't see Detroit's the team that's going to put up 31 on the Cowboys' defense. No, you're right. You're right. And uh, if that defense could get a couple turnovers and short fields, whatever suspense would be out there, we could eliminate it pretty early. Yeah, and and so we'll see how it goes. But, man, when you when – you, it's just – this is just not a good Detroit Lions. As as nice as some of the pieces are on offense and what they've done, their defense sucks, man. And that, I mean, again, they drafted Aiden Hutchinson second overall for a reason. They knew they needed somebody up front. You know, they have tried in the draft in the last couple of years to pick up some pieces, but not up high. Jamison Williams, their other first round pick, still hasn't played yet. Last year, they took an offensive lineman with their in the first round. You know, in, in a couple of years ago, Hawkinson in the first round, and then Okuda, cornerback, being a bust. I mean, it's been tough, man. The, the defensive players that they have drafted have not turned out for them, and the offensive players have, which is why this team presents itself the way that it does. Yeah, one side's pretty good, and the other side <laughs> sucks. It really does, man. I mean, it is – it's just really, really not good. I mean, you look at some of the guys that they have drafted – Hot, like even second and third round guys on the defensive side of the ball. And they're, I mean, at best, they're just guys. So what Matt is saying is we shouldn't blame my good friend Aaron Glenn, uh, the former Aggie. Didn't, didn't he an Aggie? Aaron Glenn? Uh, I believe that's but, true. Uh, you know, he played uh, he played with the Cowboys for a couple of years at the end of his career with uh, Parcells. Bottom line, don't blame Aaron Glenn for this catastrophe. It's no. not really his fault. Yeah, he went, to, uh, he went to high school in Irving, didn't he? I don't think so. No? Hmm. Let's see. I don't know. But, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm like 100% sure that he played at A&M. Let's see. Here he is. Yes, indeed, he did. He did go to Texas A&M. He went to school in Houston. So, all right. Okay. Good. You won we're and I lost. Right. 
Okay, I didn't want to say it like that. No, but it's so. true. I mean, call it what it is. I was wrong and you were not. I mean, you're so nice about Jeff Okuda, though. So I <laughs> but yeah, man, I mean, this is a game for me that, and, and I'm going to say the same thing next week, although the Bears defense, I mean, the Bears are like the opposite of the Lions where they have a good defense and their offense is trash. And Justin Fields, the jury is very much out on that guy. And we'll get into him next week. Yeah, because I got some inside information on him today. Interesting. Okay, well, make oh, sure you don't I forget mean, I, for next week. Nah, bro, I got some inside information from a member of the Chicago Bears organization. Really? And that information is, yep, he sucks. We're going to draft another quarterback. No, it's actually uh, it's, it's actually quite the opposite. No, because he, he doesn't have anything around him. No, he doesn't. You know, and, and they realize that. I mean, the, the run game struggles like crazy. They got two running backs, but their offensive line is trash, and they don't have a receiver that anybody cares about. That pretty much sums it up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's welcome to the Chicago Bears. But in this case of the Detroit Lions, I, I, again, I, I, I see them being similar to what Philadelphia was able to do offensively. They'll move it well. But, man, I, I, I don't see Detroit being able to do enough against this defense. And I don't know that their defense offers much of a stop. It plays exactly how, like if this was one of those defenses where you're like, man, they're really hard to run against, but you can pass, then maybe I'd, I'd see it a, a, as a closer game. But the right. fact that they don't stop anyone running the football and Dallas can run really well and wants to run, man, give me, I'm, I'm taking the Cowboys to crack 30 points. Whoa, 30, really? I'm going to go you... Dallas 31 to 20 in this thing. Dude. Ah, bro, I ain't got that kind of confidence. Bro. Dak's coming I back. Just, We're going to light it up. Here we go. Uh, let me see. I think the line was seven. I th- uh, you know what? I'm trying to figure yeah, out what Yeah, that's right. I the did. line was seven, yeah. The only reason I know this is because I've been killing it on picks in the Dallas Morning News. I'm, I mean, you know, you should bet money with my picks. I wouldn't, but you should. You know, the score I'm really getting, bro, is uh, – now, this is a big one for me, Matt. I'm really going 27 27- 16 Dallas. Okay. All right. So we both so have I guess I, 11 I guess point I have spreads. Oh, damn. You know, we did it again. I, you know, we don't plan this out, but this is how it works out every week because, you know, we both have great minds. Yeah. I, I had 31 to 20, which is four points more on both sides than your 27 to 16. Yeah. And see, that plays into my thought process, which is I don't have any confidence in this offense. I just don't. And uh, I think the defense is good. I see it as one touchdown and three field goals. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it's mine is solely based on the idea that I, I just, I really think that Dallas is going to run all over this team like crazy assholes. Wow. I mean, okay. I just do. I, I think, I mean, if, if the Patriots can do 176 and the Seahawks can do 235, I mean, why can't the Cowboys run for like 180? They should. They could. I mean, that would make for a very quick game and a very easy day. Yeah. That would be very, very nice. So we'll see. So I'm rooting for it, brother. No, I hope so. Now, before we move on, the question everybody wants to know is. Yes. Do you have a vibrator currently working? (laughs) What is that noise? You know, can I tell you, can we take y'all behind the curtain? Yes, please take us because I got to know. Let's let's take y'all behind the curtain. You know, I've spent uh, probably... At a minimum, just as much time in Jackson, Mississippi, at an apartment I have in downtown Jackson, because uh, I'm working on a project with uh, Jackson State uh, and football team, blah, 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 as I have in Dallas. 
because I've you know and so the problem is we can't get a consistent setup because I'm forever on the move I don't have you know so I'm in Jackson right now I've got this apartment downtown it's a one-bedroom efficiency I mean not anymore it's a one-room efficiency yeah when I walked in today because I was out doing some work and I got in I walked in here at three o'clock on the dot the first thing I did is walk over to the air conditioner and turn it off so that there was no noise because I've been chastised by Matt for that. He's like, what is that? You got a tornado going on in your room? Yeah. I know, it's the air conditioner. I'm yeah. sorry. And so here, I really take y'all behind the curtain because I don't know what that, I kind of hear this vibration, but I don't think it's coming from my room. What happened is I'm standing in downtown Jackson, if that's really a place. Um, and I'm, <laughs> I'm staying in this retirement home, this retirement <laughs> complex with a bunch of apartments in that it used to be a retirement complex somebody bought it and they're refurbishing it and turning it into regular apartments or airbnb apartments or whatever that they're doing and so i think what we're hearing is somebody is doing some work out here and they're using some kind of tool that's creating that noise <laughs> that's awesome man because i heard that in the background i was like dude i it's not nah, it, so that's you know it's one time man and be, this is like a big complex. I mean, it's like yeah. an apartment building because uh, retired retire people just live here. So one day, man, I'll kid you not, it was like a Sunday. That's why I remember it. They started working, bro, at like 7 o'clock in the morning, banging and hammering stuff. Jeez, dude, on a Sunday? Bro, that's why I remember it. And I'm just like, what are you people doing? And they did that nonstop Dude, nonstop oh for like six hours. No, that see, I mean, you can't do that on a Sunday. Well, they did. You can't do it. Uh, um, so, you know, I I'm guarantee you it's some work that they're doing out here. And, you know, I'm sorry, guys. It's just a pain in the ass. No, it's just what happens. I mean, it's like the guy who comes into this neighborhood and does a lot of the people's yards. I mean, right at 8 a.m. every day of the week except Sunday. <laughs> you know, when he gets down to one of the houses near us, I'm like, man, what? Come on. I mean, I get it. You got to do a gazillion yards. At least it's eight and not like six, I guess. But right, right. What are you going to do, man? Yeah. So they have not, not using a vibrator. No, somebody, I, I was uh, just curious. I was like, man, what is going on? I mean, hey, what, what you got going on over there? Nah, and if anybody's if anybody's listening who has familiarity, does the rose make a lot of noise or not? I don't know. <laughs> God. <laughs> the rose. I've just heard so I've just heard so much about it that I don't I've never experimented with Jeez. it. I was just curious. I bet you are curious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know what I'm curious about? I'm, I'm scared to ask that. I'm just curious if everybody's tried Bruce Biltong yet. Oh! I'm curious <laughs> about that. That's where my curiosity is, because if you haven't, you should. It's BruceBiltong.com. B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. We told you about this dude for a while, man. He's been on the podcast as a guest a couple of times. It's a guy named Steve quit his job as a rocket scientist to start this company out of his garage because so many of the people that he was friends with loved biltong because it's like beef jerky but it isn't it's a traditional south african air-dried beef and man it's so much better than beef jerky and such a good snack that if you're a fan of beef jerky at all you have got to try this 
Got to, man. It's succulent. It's juicy. It's savory. Um, I lovingly call it butt strips because that's the part of the animal that they take it off of and then they turn it into strips and they dry it out. It's fantastic to slice bill tongues from another planet, <clears throat> perhaps Mars or Venus. And it is just, I mean, it's its sensational. You, But you ain't got to take our word for it. Just, just, just try it. Send us a thank you note later. Get on Instagram or Twitter and tell us about how good it is. Um, 230 calories in a two-ounce pouch. 30 big-time grams of protein. You want guns like me, man? Eat some more Biltong. That's how you do it. It's bruisebiltong.com. Check them out. And again, use the promo code JAM15 at checkout, and you'll get 15% off your order every time you order it at bruisebiltong.com. Also, JR and his crew at Freeway Tire Shop. Man, this is living out of state. I wish that I just had access to Freeway. Because we had, like, we had got to get an oil change. So the lady actually is out right now. She's like, well, what do I do? I was like, just go over here and tell them you need an oil change. It's easy. I was like, if it was freeway tire shop, I wouldn't even worry about it. But it's, it's all that <laughs> stuff. Like, like, anything as easy as, like, a tire rotation or an oil change to the stuff that you've had done on your cars. I mean, JR and his guys at freeway tire shop, it's just peace of mind. Like, you just drop your car and you're good. You don't even worry about it. Hey, I just got a note today on uh, Twitter from Purple Elephant who said uh, he took his car by JR's and freeway tire for a, uh, uh, he was, he's got a daughter, ironically enough, at Jackson State, and he took his car there to get, I think he said the brakes checked uh, and some other little bitty minor stuff done before he hit the road, and uh, hey, he had nothing but love for it, <clears throat> and so that's how they rock, man, uh, JR, you can trust him to diagnose the issue with your car, you can trust him to use quality parts to fix it, you can trust him to charge you a fair freaking price in today's inflated world, and then number four, man, you can trust JR to stand behind his work. Um, he's five minutes uh, north of downtown, right off of 35 in Commonwealth. Stay on the service road. He's right there on the right. Fantastic dude. Fantastic business. Just go there and try him out and send us a thank you card later. Indeed. You'll do it, and you'll never go anywhere else again. It's Freeway Tire <coughs> Shop online at freewaytireshop.com. So a quick trip around the block, because we were talking about this, and you're like, what you been watching? And I was like, man... I, my life gets so busy during college football season with what I do, because that's like the focus here for my radio show, that I don't have nearly the amount of free time during the fall. And I was like, man, we're still trying to go through Seinfeld and still trying to go through The Crown. There's all these movies I want to watch. I still haven't seen the new season of Stranger Things or Cobra Kai. And part of the reason <laughs> why... So here's my day. Like, generally speaking... So I write this bit that I do called SEC Computer that takes like, so my, my show, like I'll wake up in the morning, I immediately start prepping for my show and building the show. I go to the station, I get done at two, I come home, I'm usually, depending on when I get home, I usually start working out by 2.45 or three. Then right. when I get done working out, like on Tuesday, I, I shower, get cleaned up, and then I start working on SEC Computer and I try to just do that for like an hour so that I can be done by 7.30 or 8, so that we might be able to watch something. On Wednesdays, it's that schedule, except I have a live show that I do on Wednesday evenings from this local restaurant eatery place. Thursday this week, I'm hosting trivia on Thursday night, and then Fridays, I come home and I get a nice workout in, and then Friday evening, I have to go and do a, a Friday night tailgate show. So it's like the only, the only afternoon and evening where I have nothing to do and can just watch something is on Monday these days. Wow. It's a busy wow. schedule, man. You know, and then with the that's, Cowboys on Sunday and college football all day Saturday, there's a lot going on. No, that's uh, that's good. I, I haven't watched, uh, 
well, let me rephrase it. I haven't had a lot of days to watch, but for some reason, <clears throat> I think some of it was, uh, uh, you know what it was, dog? Some of it was Jackson State played consecutive road games. Oh, I can't yeah. remember. One of, one of them was Montgomery, Alabama, and I can't even remember. I've traveled so much, I can't even remember where the other one was, but it was out of town. And so, um, you know, a lot of times when I'm out of town, even though I'm busy, uh, you know, tracking the team and stuff, I have a lot more free time. And so yeah. I end up watching a lot of shows just because uh, I'm up in a room or, you know, I'm just hanging out doing nothing. Uh, so <clears throat> uh, I'll tell you about a couple of them. One of them is um, The Watcher. Now, have you seen the preview for that? I've seen the preview for it. Yeah, yeah. It looked a little spooky to me, which is why I liked it. And it's kind of like somebody who's kind of obsessed with a house and the people and he's obsessed with the house. And because he's obsessed with the house, um, the people who buy the house, live the house, become part of his obsession. Um, and it was actually pretty good to me. Now, dude, how about this? This is based on a true story. Uh, whenever I see something intriguing like that, that's based on a true story. I often Google the story and then try to read the story. And I read, uh, actually read some, uh, I read an article about the true story that was a kind of like a long form article. Yeah. And it got a little convoluted and I was like, you know what? Uh, I don't feel like reading anymore. Let me just go watch it. <clears throat> but part of it is these people buy this house they can't really afford, but it's, they're they're figuring out how to manage it. But they get these letters that say basically, hey, Matt, I love your house. Your house is great. I've been watch people have been watching your house and my family for years. Weird. I'm going to continue to watch your house. And when you and your lady fiance have kids, once I get to know your names, their names, I'll start minting them in these letters. And so you get it like, huh, what is this? And then, you know, you get another letter in a couple of weeks. Oh, I see the kids, James and Mary, are adjusting well to school now. And you're just like, who the hell is this? So now, and then all your neighbors are kind of these weird people. And you're like, why are we the only normal people on this cul-de-sac or this yeah. street? And then without giving away too much, the house is very old. And there's some tunnels that connect the houses because they're very old. And people did that back in the day. And so they find out that somebody's able to get in their house without them ever knowing it. And so that provides some other elements. And it turned out it's like a seven part series or seven episodes or whatever. Uh, and it turned out to be pretty good because there's several plot twists that you think you have it pretty much figured out. And you go, oh, OK, uh, I'm going to give you that one. That was good. And so there's several of those. Even at the end, you go, oh, shit, I didn't really think it was going to go like that. Hmm. And uh, so to me, it was a uh, <clears throat> it was a quality show. I, uh, I binged it. I think I binged it in Montgomery, Alabama. Um, but I could watch it again pretty easily because I was multitasking some while I was watching it. And so there's some things I missed. And so it, but I enjoyed it enough uh, that I could probably go back and watch it again. Interesting. So, so I'm going to give that one two thumbs up. Okay. That was a good one. This other show, I'm trying to remember what it was, bro. It, too, was pretty interesting. It seems like I'm thinking it's on Netflix. I'm thinking the name of it is The Inheritance. And in a nutshell, this woman is big time. I think she's a D.A. or something like that. Prosecutor. Yeah. 
and her brother is a big time politician, um, like running for mayor or something like this. And she had an awful relation, contentious relationship with her father and her father dies. And when he dies, he leaves her something and, you know, classic, hey, in this letter, you know, go check out this safe deposit box. I've left you something. If you're reading this, I'm dead. I've left you something that only you can handle, understand, deal with, blah, blah, blah. Your brother couldn't do it. You know, go. Now, she's got this really contentious relationship with her father. So she's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. she goes, and in the safe deposit box is a video. I kind of want to do this when I die just because it seems so cool at one level. Uh, if you're looking at this, yeah, that means I've died. Hey, everybody. I hope you guys are doing well. You know, I kind of want to do something like that, but I think it'd be kind of like an asshole move at the same time. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. It might be okay. Um, but anyway, so she looks at this video, and there's a key, and it's like, you know, go out the backyard over here to the left, to the right, six uh, six hundred steps, and use this key to open up this storm cellar that apparently nobody knows is back there. And so she does this, bro. There's a door, and it leads down a hallway, and she opens up the door. And there's a person chained to the wall. And that person has apparently been there for like 20 years. What? Are they, are they alive? Yeah. What? And so the movie, the rest of the now I've told you that, so that should get you intrigued. The rest of the movie is about the moral dilemma of what do you do with this person? Because remember, her and her brother are what? Highly public figures. So you know if this comes out, whether it's your fault or not, What's going to happen? Your careers are over. Because, like, yeah, your dad did this. That means you must be some kind of miscreant, too. Blah, 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 blah. And the other thing is, if you don't do something immediately, now you're really part of a criminal act because you knew that this was going on. So how do you deal with that dilemma if you don't do something immediately? And then, who is this person? Do they deserve to be down here for some reason? What was my dad doing to put this person down here? My God. Is there anybody is there anybody else who knows about this shit? So if I just shut the door and act like nothing happened, can I just kind of walk away and it's all good? You know, how's this all going down? These are all questions that must be answered. That I is, know the answers. I mean I know the is, answer to all wow. these, but but to keep you guys intrigued, I also fed you guys some fake questions so you don't know what's real and what's not. All right. But I thought but I thought it was a pretty intriguing, uh, it was a, you know, it was a pretty, you know, the whole concept for the movie to me was pretty original because of what I just said. A lot of the dilemmas that you face once you see something that is, you know, wrong to that degree. Huh. Well, that is oddly intriguing. Yeah, I would say so. Nah, bro, it was a, it was a good flick. I will tell you this. I, I do want to watch ever since you talked about the Redeem team. And I got to show, I, I showed a preview to, oh, the, to the, the lady. Team. Fantastic. Bro. Yeah, I showed a preview to the lady and she's like, oh, I want to watch. It. I was like, really? I was like, all right, that'll be great. I was like, do you even uh, know about any of these players or any? So, I mean, she's like, well, I mean, isn't it a documentary? I was like, yeah. So, and she no, was intrigued was a- because of, I don't know if you, the preview on Netflix shows Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and LeBron talking about how Kobe said, it, on the very first play in the gold medal game that he was going to run right through Pal Gasol, and man, did he ever. I was going to say, did we talk about that? Because you can't really understand what that is until you watch the doc. Because with the doc, Kobe, they, they're all retelling the story, of course. But then 
they show you the video and you're like, oh my God. Like it sounds like a football hit. And you can see Gasol like, the hell just happened to me? And at that moment, he took Gasol's soul. Uh, it's so good to me. And now check this out. Jackson State was playing Bethune-Cookman in uh, Florida last week. So that's where I was, Matt. That's where I could remember. I've been to Montgomery, Alabama, Jacksonville, Florida the last right. two weeks. That's, that's where I watched a lot of movies. Um, so Bethune-Cookman is an HBCU in Daytona Beach. Uh, they played the game in Jacksonville. Their quarterback was is a transfer who came from Jackson State, who was part of Dion's first COVID team. Okay. And so as they're getting their team ready to play the game, Prime is telling his players, hey, their quarterback is a former player of ours. Don't no buddy buddy before the game. Yeah. Don't talk to him before the game. Not a word before the game. Ignore him. We're finna embarrass him. We're finna make him look bad. After the game, you can hug him, dap him up, tell him, hey, great job, whatever you want to. But before the game, no buddy buddy whatsoever. Da 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 da. You're not playing if I see you over there, buddy, buddy, and with him. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, and so, b- because I had seen the video in the movie, you know, right before he was talking about that, uh, I was like, I went up to him after. I was like, dog, you got to watch the Redeem Team, man, because there's this Kobe scene in there that's just mind blowing. So that's how good it was. I told Dion to go watch it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I really want to see it. I mean, you watch that preview, like, okay, I'm in for this. So hopefully, I'll be yeah. able to knock that out sometime in the next few days. We'll see. Yeah, hopefully, bro. I do not know. Speaking of basketball, and, and we kind of mentioned this at the very beginning of the podcast, the Dallas Mavericks have started the season. And I was stoked because when I realized it was the regular season opener, it's in Phoenix, the site of the epic Game 7 destruction of the Phoenix Suns last year in the conference semifinals. And then I see it's going to be on ESPN. I was like, hell yeah, I get to watch the Mavs open the season. That's great. So I was watching the Mavs game, and I mean, they come out and they look... I mean, in the first half, they look like the best team in basketball. Everything is working. <laughs> They're playing really good defense. Their rotations are good. Luka is doing what Luka does. Christian Wood is doing his thing as a newcomer. You know, JaVale McGee, who's there now. Spencer Dinwiddie is hitting and draining some threes. And you're just like, okay, man, this looks really, really good. And even in the third quarter, then all of a sudden, here comes Phoenix. And the next thing you know, you start seeing it get chiseled away. And Christian Wood went ballistic at the end of the third quarter and the beginning of the fourth, and you see exactly what this dude might be. And then, of course, the Mavs lose the game, coughing up. (laughs) They had a 22-point lead at one point in the second quarter and ended up losing the game. Yeah, uh, here's what happened, bro. Um, I had a really late night because I had to be here. um, I think I told you a little bit about this. I had to be here. At like seven fifteen, Wednesday morning. Yeah, and so um, I left Dallas like nine o'clock at night to make this six hour drive here. Actually, slept a few hours in the car <laughs> in a hotel parking lot. And my whole point was the Mavericks game came on. I was like, oh, I'll step and watch this. And I was multitasking and doing a little bit of work, bro. And I literally, it's it's actually funny, man. I literally fell asleep with my face in my iPad. Um, because I passed out. I didn't fall asleep. I just fell out like I was drunk or something. And when I woke up at 1.30, obviously, the game was over. Yeah. And so I went back and read it, and I was like, oh, all this stuff that you're talking about. And I'm going to say this about the NBA. 
now I'm not breaking any news here, but I'm just more of like bringing it to to you to your attention again. In today's NBA, just real talk, bro. I don't consider a 22 point lead in the second quarter like oh this guy this one's a wrap. Yeah. Because for real, the way teams and multiple players can hit three pointers, you can basically take a 20 point lead and turn it into like 12 in like a minute and a half. And then once it's back down to 12, then it's like just another basketball game. And so, you know, yeah, they blew the lead, and yeah, they talked about getting complacent and stuff, but dude, until you had that lead in like midway through the third quarter, the game is so fast-paced and so up. I mean, I really like today's NBA. Um that the, the blown lead at that early in the game doesn't really even surprise me. I'm going to tell you this. This is why I stopped myself. This is the only thing, Matt. They have to be careful of it. And see if you follow me here. I don't want the NBA to accidentally become baseball. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, what does baseball become? It's become this boring sport. Yeah. All about three outcomes, strikeout, home run, walk. Okay, that's why that's why at least me and Matt are like, tell with this is just boring. It's it's station to station. You've take the you know, nobody's hitting, you know, triples and gappers and stealing bases and all this stuff. Yeah. You get cussed out if you go first to third because you just should have stayed at second so we could hit a three run homer or walk to load the bases. Which to me is all boring baseball. Well, if we're not careful, the NBA is going to become dunk, free throw, three pointer which can be equally boring uh, because you take away the fluidity of the game and everything that you love about the game, the around-the-basket stuff, the mid-range shot, all of that. All of that is makes for great basketball because it's the variety. But this whole I'm going to pass on my two-foot layup so I can get this 22-foot corner three, that shit can get boring after a while, bro, because it's really the same play every time. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I do see what you're saying. And, you know, they did get, you could see it when it got up like that. And everybody's like, oh, this is just like game seven last year. And I was like, man, I, like, I'll be surprised. And then right at the end of the second quarter, I mean, going into the half, I can't remember if it was five or seven that Phoenix scored. Maybe it was just five. Maybe that's what it was. And they chiseled and got it down to 17 points, I think, at that point, or 16 points. Right. And I right. just go, man. There's just something different about going into the half down by 20 or more and going into the half. I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but even going to the half like down 16 where you oh, had yeah. like the Mavs had a chance to hit a three at the at the end of the second half, missed it. And Phoenix got it and went down and hit one. And I was just like, man, that is that is just something that they can sit there and say, OK, you know, we just got to do that a couple more times and we're right back in it. And they just started chiseling away at it. I will say this. Luca had 35, 9, and 6. Christian Wood had 25 and 8. Luca only shot 2 of 10 from the three-point line. But, like, a game like, look, the Mavs are going to be good. The Mavs are going to make the playoffs. We've seen what they can be. They played in the Western Conference Finals last year. Losing one game to Phoenix like this, whatever. The fact that Luca was 13 of 13 from the free-throw line. Yeah. I, I well, Watching him shoot free-throws last night, I was sitting there going, man, if this dude has figured this part of his game out, then he is about to take this thing to the next level. Yeah, because he's going to score five more points a game. Yeah, and so you you know what? He's going to have nights. Everybody who's a shooter has nights, and, and this is just how he is. 
where he is going to shoot two of 10 from the three-point line, that's going to come back around and his average is going to be his average. But we are talking about a guy that for his career is a 73% free throw shooter. If he can jump that up and get it up to 78, 80% that we, we, this is different. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, 80 to 82%. Uh, Nobody's saying you need to be 88 to 90. No, you don't have to be. No, not at all. Yeah. Just, just 80% free throw shooter, dude. Four out of five. Um, as much as he goes to line, that's a big deal. It is. And and look, the three-pointers, he he's hit 35% in each of his last two years. He'll get it to 35% again. There'll be games where he's 9 of 10, whatever the hell it is. So I don't even think about that, man. But it's And then Christian Wood, you see what they think this dude can be. This is one thing that really jumped out to me was the depth that they had. You know, Tim Hardaway Jr.'s back this year. He didn't really do anything much last night, but the fact that he's there, they didn't even bring in Dwight Powell. He didn't even play last night. But they went nine deep last night, and it looked good. So this, I think this is going to be a fun Mav season, but we know this. We're past the regular season. The expectations are here. This is all about where are you going to be in the playoffs, and can you show us what you did last year and maybe even then some? No, I think so. I think so. It's a uh, they got a really good team. The NBA is great. It's a lot of great teams. Um, everything's about jockeying about playoff positions so you can get Game Seven at home if you need it. And you know this team, you know it's got some new pieces. People have some new roles, and let's just see how it evolves over the you know the first quarter of the season. Um, you know Christian Wood has always been talented. It's you know could he find the right role? Could he not be a knucklehead? All this other stuff. Uh, you know, maybe Jason Kidd is the guy who can get to him, uh, you know, and get him to embrace coming off the bench. And, and, like, dude, coming off the bench doesn't mean you suck. It just means when you come off the bench, you get to be the man. When you don't come off the bench, you got to share that shit with Luca and hope that you get a ball. Here we can use you in a lot of different ways. And so, you know, man, if he can figure that out and, um, and roll with it, they got a chance to be, you know, if they can hit top four again, bro, I think that's great. Yep, so there you have it, my friends. The Mavs, they're 0-1. And the good news, if, if you're like me and, and you don't have Bally Sports and you don't get an opportunity to watch them much, they are on national television again on Saturday night for Game 2. They'll be back home in Dallas to take on Ja Morant and the Grizzlies. That's a game that is going to be on NBA TV, if you have NBA TV, which I have. I get to watch the Mavs' first two games of the season. How great is that? Hell yeah, brother. That's what's nice about having the Mavs be really, really good because they are on their first four games of the season are all on national television. No, I mean, when you have an NBA superstar, they're going to make sure that that dude gets plenty of airtime throughout the uh, throughout the uh, the NBA season. And Luka is one of the top five players in the NBA. Um, he's a charismatic player. He's a white player. Uh, yeah, they're going to make sure the world gets to see him on a regular basis. Yeah, man, and it's great. I was just looking at this. Let's see. Yeah, my God, they have something. It's almost 30 of their games that are available on national television. And I say national television because I'm including NBA TV in that. A lot of their games are available on NBA TV, but they got several TNT games, several ESPN games. So, yeah, man, that's badass. That that makes me happy because that, that, that will give me an opportunity to really get a nice feel of this Mavs team and I don't have to watch every single game because I mean in the NBA season 82 every single game doesn't tell the story you know you you can get a chunk from here and there so that's cool very nice um real quick what was I going to tell you 
I just forgot. So when oh, one thing about the NBA, best news about the NBA season, the TNT team is staying together for at least ten years. Yeah, man, and and I call that. I thought Charles Barkley was going to walk away, but apparently not. Man, that was just a bluff. He was never going to leave. Yeah, he just wanted to make sure he got paid. Yeah, he did. And I will say this: the only time I've ever been around Charles Barkley, he bought all my drinks. So nice guy. No, every, I've only met him once, uh, but every, Tim Kalashaw hangs out with him quite a bit when he's in da- not quite a bit regularly when he's in Dallas. But everybody I've met says Barkley is like the greatest dude. I mean, in my experience around him, he has been phenomenal. And he, you know, he's from this area. He he grew up in a town called Leeds, which I live literally right next to Leeds. I go to Leeds every so often. And so he comes back to Alabama all the time and you run into him or you see him around every once and again. But in my very limited interactions with him, he has been just fantastic. No, and, and literally everybody says that about him. So Yeah, and I, I had a chance. This is when I lived here before where I had a, a, some friends that were on the radio station that were really good friends with him, and we all went and hung out with him, and it was like us five, Barkley and his security guy or whoever the hell that guy was. And, right. man, Barkley's just telling us all these kick-ass stories about when he played and about Jordan and stuff, and I was like, oh, my God, this is the greatest night of my life. <laughs> I mean, he was so cool. And then, you know, I always hate taking advantage of people when they're like, hey, what do you want? I got you, and I got you. I'm like, ah, I'll just have his. Like, no, no, what do you want? And so yeah, I told him, dude. he's like, all right. And he, I mean, he just paid for everything. It was incredible. Okay, I'm going to tell you this because you do have a problem with that. When somebody <laughs> offers to buy you a drink, they're offering to buy it. So just get what you want. Yeah, I know it. I got to get better at that. And I mean, you know, if it's your boy, you're not going to say, oh, give me the Remy XXVVO. Right, yeah. But yeah, yeah. If, if it's somebody rich and they say, hey, what do you want? I, drinks on me. I got you. Don't worry about it. You just order what you want. If it's your boy... You order what you want, which you would get yourself if you were out. But when people offer you a drink, don't block their blessing by going, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay. Allow them to bless you, and then, you know, you know, it'll all come back down the road. Indeed it will. Indeed it will. But right now, I know we have got to get in our conversation as we continue about the Cowboys with Chill. So let's give him a call. All right, it's time to check in with uh, Cowboys beat reporter. You read his work. He's been doing it for years. With the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, Clarence Hill Jr. joining us in chill. The Cowboys don't get it done on Sunday night, uh, almost a week ago now, coming up against the Philadelphia Eagles. But what did you take away from that game in which Cooper Rush kind of came back down to earth a little bit, and the defense, for the most part, kind of showed out and and was still fairly solid? It was solid. The thing about the defense, I was more disappointed in the defense for Cooper Rush because, you know, I think – Knew this day was coming. That bubble was going to burst, you know, at some point. And Cooper Rush is going to be Cooper Rush. He's been having the Caddyshack moment for the last three weeks and living on borrowed time. But, you know, it's the reason why he was the backup quarterback. He was playing smart and not making mistakes. He wasn't necessarily winning, winning games with the Cowboys. But the defense was what they leaned on to win games. When the offense got them back in the game, 2017, and the defense did okay up until that point. They they held them down. You know, they had to intercept. They had to short field. You know, they, 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 they stupid to see Mike McCarthy to go for it on fourth down. But it's 2017. If you're doomsday, if you're elite, shut them down. They didn't shut them down. At least let the Eagles walk right down the field and take the lead. And so that's the thing that, you know, when talking to the defensive players and talking to, to – they're kicking themselves. That's, that's what they remember from that game because they are the uh, the team that 
they're the this is a defense led football team right now. They they want to be elite. They claim they're elite. They can they have the ability to beat Doomsday. That was their opportunity to show it, and they did. I think that's fair. Um, I had a like at winning time they gave up the drive, and that's really all that matters because that's the right. time where the game was on the line. And so other stuff was not necessarily your fault that they played good overall. Uh, but at winning time, it's about making plays and getting off the field, and uh, they didn't do it. Right. I mean, and, and that's what we're talking about. And that's, you know, I always measure things on winning time, championship level. You know, y'all, you know, I'm not whoop the damn do. You know, like, you know, I, you know, somebody was tweeting about, you know, the great game Luca had last night. They lost. Okay. It, did it lead to winning? Did it lead to winning? And, you know, what did you do what it mattered most? You know, and, you know, I always, I'm on the Lakers, and I get on LeBron, and everybody's like, oh, LeBron had 30 some points. He got beat by 20. Why are we celebrating that? You know, and and, and so with, with this defense, and, and, and the difference is this defense is supposed to be the heart and soul of this football team. They're, they're the ones that, that, that especially through the first five games of the season, they're the ones that, that you know, bowed up and, and, and held strong to a lot of teams to be what they are. And they're going to be special in this. The goal is to be a special, have a special season. The goal is not to stay the season while Dak is out. That's not the goal. The goal is not to play well and, and, and staying attention. The goal is to, to to go further. And the good news is, looking around the league, they have a chance to do something, get them Super Bowl more. This shouldn't happen in a long time because who cares? Who's out there? We just saw the quote-unquote best team in the NFC, and they could have had them. You know, I, I go by, I go back to the old Denny Green. They were who we thought they were, and they let them off the hook. Even with Cooper Rush, you know, three interceptions. You know, the defense giving up that drive. But they know they can play with that team. And you look around the league and Green Bay don't scare you. Obviously, the Rams, who both champs don't scare you. Tampa Bay are struggling. This, the, the opportunity is there for this Cowboys team. And they need the defense to show up. They need, their, they need them to show up. Damn. Yeah. I mean, that's reality, though, right? I mean, they do need them to show up. And what do you make of the how the Eagles planned for Micah Parsons? And is that something that's unique to Philadelphia with the ability of Jalen Hurts? Or do you think that other teams will take advantage of what the Eagles showed how to handle Micah Parsons? You know, we talked to Micah today, and uh, he said, you know, they just they ran the RPOs. Uh, they, they ran the RPOs, uh, and they just kind of ran at him. But he thought he played well. And, I mean, I, I don't know if every team can use that because they don't have the same quarterback. You know, so I, I don't know if teams can do that same thing. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking just because of Jalen Hurts. Like, you, that's a unique situation against a unique passer and, and at the quarterback position who can do a lot of things that other guys can't do. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's just a different offense. Yeah, they, they, again, they did some nice things. But, again, I think the Cowboys, you know, at the end of the day, how many yards do you have passing? You know, you know they, they got hurt by the pick rock, you know, and some things like that. But I don't know if it was necessarily Jalen Hurts killing them. Um, I guess at some point. We should ask you about QB1. QB1 looks good. I mean, he's ready to go. He said he's starting. He took all the reps in practice today. He, he's good to go. He ain't never given Cooper Rush another rep. There's, there's no question. And the Cowboys are excited. I mean, I think he's excited. Uh, the team is excited. They're, they're, they're ready to get him, you know, back in the lineup. And it's a great team to come back against. Man, that is a great team to come back against. How do you like that matchup against Detroit? Jacques and I were talking about that earlier. I mean, this is a team in Detroit that's put up a lot of points on everybody outside of New England. But, man, they have given up a ton on defense. You know, and, and if it's a great team to come back against, it, it, it is Detroit because they can't stop a nosebleed. They can't stop the pass. They can't stop the run. 
I mean, they can't. I mean, they're, they're awful. And I just feel, feel sorry for Aaron Glenn and because he's a great guy and, and, and a great defense, you know, former Cowboy Aggie. But, but they have problems on defense. They have one good game, you know, but they, they don't rush the quarterback. They don't stop the run. They don't make plays in the third, secondary. It, 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 is, it is, you know, it is wide open for the Cowboys and Jack Prescott to have a really good game. And I wrote about this earlier in the week, but uh, you think uh, how much do you think the game plan will change in terms of uh, playing the defense and special teams with Dak back? Obviously, they'll throw more with Dak, but how much more? Well, I mean, I think that you know, it's, it's one thing that the dirty little secret is that one reason why they haven't thrown about a lot. They haven't had a lot of play. You know, they 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 have not been on 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 the on the field a lot, and, and uh, so I, I think that's affected the number of passes they've thrown. They want to throw the ball. They know they need to throw the ball better. It's better to convert third down because they're awful on third down. Yes, they're going to lead on the run again. You know, that's the best part of the team. You know, the deep, again, as I said, Detroit is awful against the run. That's that's going to be a huge focus uh, for them. But uh, they're going to throw the ball with Jack. It's not going to be the same Cooper Rush offense. They they need Jack to make plays again for this team to be the best it can be and, and to reach that goal that we're talking about. That the offense is running optimal efficiency. They need Jack making plays with his arm as well as this running game. Yeah, when you look at it with the running game and, and Dak making the plays against this team and against Chicago next week, I mean, it feels chill like there's there's an opportunity for this team to get some momentum going into the buys. Jacques and I were talking about that earlier this week, and you kind of mentioned it. The idea that there's nobody that scares you, there's not some elite team. I mean, you look at what they have coming up on the schedule, and I mean, we could be talking about a Cowboys team that's got a really good opportunity to take advantage of some things here in the next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, it's almost like Matt McCarthy back in the NFC West, uh, NFC North, and they got four straight games against the NFC North opponents. They got, you know, Detroit, Chicago, Green Bay, and Minnesota. It's almost like, you know, you, you know, with that old Game of Thrones, you know, the North is coming, you know, or whatever, <laughs> the winter yeah, is coming. Yeah. You know, and they, 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 they need to, if he wins the North, you know, he might, you know, take, go, go a long step toward winning this division and, and, and really making a run here. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's set up for them when you got, you know, this this schedule. They have five teams on the left on the schedule. You know, they want a six team with at least five teams left on the schedule. Six teams in the NFL, the five teams left on the schedule with with a uh, losing record. You know, so it's, you know, you got Detroit, you got Chicago, you got Jacksonville, you got, you know, Houston. You know, this, this you got Washington again. This, this team, the schedule is set up for them to make a run. Here's a bigger question. Do you think they will make that run? Well, I don't know why they would. I mean, again, you know, I, I think that people get caught up into that week one and the way they played against Tampa Bay, the way Jack played. I think this, you know, this team has showed you, with Michael Gallup coming back, that some teams getting better, you know, around him. It's just certainly a different team than, it, than what Dak Prescott played with when he showed up, um, you know, for week one. You know, Tyler Smith is better and, you know, Michael Gallup is back and, you know, this running game is, is going, and this defense is what they thought it was. I mean, yeah, I think they have a chance to make that run. I don't, I'm not saying they're going undefeated, but they have a chance to, 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 to stack some wins. You look at right. CeeDee Lamb, he was limited last week in practice, played, seemed fine, limited again this week in practice. Is everything okay there with CeeDee? Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, he practiced for today, and he looked good, and he said he's ready to go. And so, you know, there's no health issues. You know, on this team, and that, that's again, that's a beautiful thing. They they have a chance to improve. They, you know, if somebody told you before the season the Cowboys would be four and two at the first exchange, which I think is the toughest stretch of the season when you look at the schedule. Tampa, the two two bowl combatants at Philadelphia. You know, Adam Giants team at five and one. 
you know, you would have taken it all day. And now you're four and two, and the schedule eases up, and you have a chance to get better at this football team. How about the Longhorns, bro? <laughs> <laughs> Longhorns rolling, feeling good. They need to win at Oklahoma State to see if they're for real. It's been a tough road game, first two road games for Quinn Ayers. But, yeah, you know, Longhorns, you know, I think that they're on a collision course with TCU for, you know, certainly uh, obviously to win the, the, uh, the regular season title, but also probably possibly a rematch in the conference championship game. I think TCU's going to be the conference championship game no matter what. Are the long ones going to be there? All right, appreciate you guys. All right, Joe, we'll talk to you later. He was busy. laughing at? Yeah, he had a lot of, had a lot of moving parts today, bro. I know. I was like, dude, are you? Do you? What is happening with this? <laughs> All right, we we have to once we move on with Chill because you had told me that you have the secret to what the Eagles were doing against Micah Parsons, and before we get into that. Let's tell you about our buddies over there at Smokey John's Barbecue, man. If you have not had a chance to have the eliteness of Smokey John's Barbecue, you need to plan a meal. Grab some friends, get some family, head on over to Smokey John's, grab the jam session bowl, get the Steve White, order on the menu if you want to. I mean, ooh, the menu, neat. But hey, off the menu's where it's at, man, because that jam session bowl is killer. And I'm telling you, hundreds of you over the course of time have reached out to us to say, man, you guys weren't kidding around. Smokey John's is legit. It is the truth, my brother. Y'all know what I'm talking about, man. Smokey John's, it's it's fantastic. Um, I'm, you know, the thing about it is, man, and Matt's told you, you can literally order anything off the menu, and it's delicious. But, you know, my personal favorite, I got to tell you, you need to rock with the Jam Session Bowl, bro. It is truly, truly, truly phenomenal. That's a fat boy's delight. I mean, really, that's all I can tell you. It's also a skinny boy's delight. I was going to say, it's, it's a delight for anybody who tries it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't you be fat, skinny. No, nah, man. It's, uh, it's got that mac and cheese, a mashed potato base. I really rock with the mac and cheese base. I mean, I really do. And then it's got your choice of uh, two smoked meats, man, and they put them on a the scale. So you're getting what you pay for. I mean, this thing is packed tight with meat and all kind of uh, cholesterol goodness. It's got all the stuff you find on a loaded baked potato from chives, sour cream, butter if you like it, uh, bacon bits. It, dude, it's it's magnificent. It is. And then uh, they drizzle it with that great sauce that Matt likes to drink straight from the bottle. They got to hammer the lid on it because it's coming out of the bowl and it's stuffed so tight that you just can't put the lid on it. And, dude, it is easily, easily, easily two people can eat it. And then you still got some for a leftover snack later on for both of y'all. Um, you know, so I like to get that, man, and then occasionally add a couple sides like a mac and cheese or, mm. or sweet potatoes. And it's just, oh it's fantastic. Uh, you know, go ahead. You know, I've been saying this a lot today, but go over to Smokey John's. Just tell them your boy. Yeah, I'm your boy. Your boy said order the, uh, the jam session special, hook it up, and then um, y'all can thank me later. Really? You can. Yeah, it's, I'm telling you, man, it is absolutely fantastic, and you're going to love it. It's Smokey John's Barbecue. It's right over there in, near downtown Dallas. It's off Mockingbird, and if you can't get to the store, keep in mind wherever you are. You can order the sauce, the rub at Smokey's Market. You just go to SmokeyJohns.com, click on Smokey's Market, and order it to be delivered right to you. But we have to find out because it was interesting the way that Philadelphia decided to try and almost essentially attack Micah Parsons was reading him, making him choose 
what he was going to do and then deciding what they were going to do based on his action to that. And you told me that you have found the answer to whether or not Philadelphia cracked the Micah Parsons code. Well, y'all know I've been covering the NFL for 27 years now. So I got a lot of friends in the NFL, a lot of friends who have uh, matriculated to uh, head coaches and defense coordinators and all of this. Well, I was talking to one the other day, bro, um, who follows the Cowboys closely. And he was like, uh, did you see what they did to Michael Parsons? I was like, yeah, dog. I said, when they, they either ran at him or when they was rushing, they threw it right over his head and never really gave him time to um, to rush. Uh, they just did the opposite of what he was doing. And they basically put him in a no-win situation. Whatever he did, the, whatever choice he made was a bad choice based on what they were doing. He's like, yeah. And he goes, that's because Dan Quinn had gotten a little too predictable in how he was aligning him. And so if he was right here, you knew where he was going to be. And he said, because the way that people attack, look at the Cowboys is Michael Parsons is so good, you don't even call to play most of the time until you get to the line of scrimmage and identify where is Michael Parsons. And now we can figure out what we want to do. So I go, bro, you a defensive guy. How do you solve this problem? I said, because if you don't crack the code, you're just going to see it again next week. He said, yeah, you're going to see it till you crack it. He said, if it were me, I would, and here's how you solve the problem, according to my friend. He goes, you align him differently to try to get the same type of effect. So instead of bringing him off the edge all the time, you have him attack the A gap or the B gap, which is between the center and the guards. Mm. That, way he's, that way you're still getting a good matchup for him because guards traditionally are much worse pass blockers and tackles which is why Matt why they're inside and so find a guard matchup that you like and have him attack that up the middle because uh, again you know that way that um, you know you can't run at him that way so one is have him attack at the middle and the other thing is he said you align him in the middle as a middle linebacker or wherever he's playing in the box you wait for the quarterback to get to the line identify him oh 11 is the mic, 11 is the mic. You like that, Matt? Mm-hmm. And then, um, okay, we've identified him with our blocking scheme, what we're doing. Uh, the cadence starts, and then he moves to the edge at that point. After you've already identified him and made your play call, now he's moving and he's no longer where you had him. And that gives you a, a, an advantage there, he said. But mix those two things in to the other stuff you're doing, and you have solved the Michael Parsons quandary. Well, there you go. So no need to panic then. No. And um, if I were you guys, I don't want to do this myself because it seems a little overbearing, a little arrogant. Um, just take the link of the podcast if you're listening. Send it to Dan Quinn. His email is not that hard to find. It's I'm just guessing because I don't know. It's probably... D. Quinn at Dallas Cowboys. D. Quinn. So <laughs> Maybe it is. Who knows? Oh, I'm not playing. I mean, you they're, they're you not very, think he's aware of this. Like, everybody's email at ESPN is like jock.taylor at ESPN.com. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So I'm just guessing that that's what it is. Uh, but, you know, go ahead and send him a link of the podcast. And um, you can send him in the subject line. Uh, good friend of yours has the answers to solve the the quandary and put the, you know, tell them what time that this segment starts on the podcast and, you know, help your team. I don't want to do it because 
I don't do nothing for free. I'm going to want to check if I do it. But if y'all just send it, I'll consider it like a love offering. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. I, I like that. So we'll see. I mean, and again, I don't know how many teams have the personnel to play Micah the way that the Eagles did necessarily. Um, yeah, that's some of it. But, you know, they don't. everybody's got the personnel to run at him and to attack him like that. So some yeah, of true. it was RPOs, but the other part wasn't. It was just a check with me, literally. I get to the line of scrimmage. I see where he is. I got two plays called. And based on where he's aligned, I call the play that neutralizes him. All right. So there you have it. The code not necessarily cracked. The Cowboys will rebound, and Micah Parsons will have five sacks against Detroit. Yeah, at least four. I mean, why not? <laughs> why not at all? So I'm all about can that, I, man. Can I, can I make a funny? Yeah, make whatever you this need. Is, this is said and funny. And here's right. what I mean by funny. Like, I really, 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 this is not funny, this is true. I have a ton of respect for Bob Stern, okay? Yeah. Ton of respect because that dude does research like none other. He's a machine. Right. But he asked the longest fucking questions of all time, okay? <laughs> he does, yes. <laughs> right. So that's what I mean by funny, okay? Michael Gelkin of the Dallas Morning News has more quotes, I mean, has more stats and more stories and more facts about more spare players than anybody I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and it's just funny to me because most people focus on stars, and he's forever focusing on spares. And I say that because he put in something that uh, Cowboys backup Matt Willetsko suffered a left shoulder subluxation in practice today. Two people familiar with the situation. Does anybody really give a fuck what happened to Matt Valesco? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's why know. it's funny. I guess like, not. You got two sources to tell us about a guy nobody gives a fuck about. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's funny to me. And Mike does great work, obviously. That's why I called it a funny. You know, so I don't need anybody to say, oh, Taylor took a shot at you. No, I'm taking a funny because, yes, he gets credit for getting this, but nobody gives a fuck. I'm not even sure his parents care. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, he's played a little bit this year. Okay. Now, as soon as I say that, I go, my boy Todd Archer says, okay, what do you rather have if you're, if you're a consumer of information? Michael Gelkin of the Dallas Morning News has this about Roulette'sco. Two people familiar with the situation said. Okay. My dog, Todd Archer, has the same information. Um according to multiple sources. So do you want multiple sources or two sources familiar with the situation? I mean, multiple's fine with me, man. Okay, I'm just asking. I'm just, I mean, is, <laughs> is two not multiple? I mean, I, you know. I don't know, two is two, multiple seems like three. Yeah, multiple seems like it's a handful, like everybody I talk to has told me the same thing. Right, um, so yeah. Okay. I just think it's funny because I love Archer. Uh, I love Galkin, but I just think it's funny. Like, I just put, I don't need, I guess you have to put it, but I, let's see when Chill writes it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what he maybe was working that, on. Maybe that's know. what he's working on. Jeez. Matter of fact, I'm going I'm, I'm to send him a text. Oh, man. Uh, no, here's, here's what you do you send him, you hit him on Twitter. Okay, I'm going to do this on Twitter and see how long it takes him to uh, send me a text. I should do that, which says, on Twitter, it should say, I should send him a tweet that says, oh, I, this is what the tweet should say, y'all. It should say, 
I hope you didn't get scooped by Archer and Gelkin while you were doing our podcast on Well, Let's Go. I feel bad about that. <laughs> and I bet you he would text me back within ah, 10 minutes with a really. <laughs> he probably will text you back that exact same thing. That's how he is. Whoo. All that's right. More fun than us. Well, good times, man, and, and we'll have another one after the Cowboys game on Sunday. Cowboys and Lions at noon. Can the Cowboys get back on the winning track? We expect that they will, and that'd be nice to get to 5-2 and two with Chicago on the way before the bye already here. That's crazy to think that in two weeks we'll be at the Cowboys bye and already halfway through, essentially, the NFL season. Jeez, don't say it, man. It feels somewhat depressing. It goes by. I mean, I was thinking about that with college football. We are seven games in. I mean, um, every team in college football has played over half their schedule by now. Right. It's crazy. I mean, this time of the year just flies by. I just got to tell you this. This is the all-time teaser. Um, In addition to the Cowboys on uh, Monday's podcast, we'll also discuss the woman who had 23 contact lenses stuck under her eyelid in a pancake stack. What? (laughs) What? (laughs) What? (coughs) Okay. Yeah, bro. This is according to my girl, Laura Harris from NBC5, one of my favorite people. She just tweeted a story out that said a woman had 23 contact lenses stuck under her eyelid in a pancake stack. How do you not even, I mean, what is wrong with you? You can't tell what's on your eyeball? (laughs) Okay, okay, we'll just talk about it now. A woman who felt like there was something in her eye actually had 23 daily disposable contact lenses deep underneath her eyelid, her ophthalmologist reported. Uh, Dr. Oh, my God, that's disgusting looking. Kurtiva was shocked to just... Man, this is a doctor who did this? No, she said it wasn't the doctor. It was no, the, doctor the eye doctor, yeah, that helped her, yeah. Okay. The patient who was in her 70s and asked to remain anonymous. Oh, okay, so she's not, she doesn't have dementia God. or anything because she's smart enough to say, please don't tell anybody how stupid I am. Oh, too late for that because now everybody Had knows. been wearing contact lenses for 30 years. About the sensation of a foreign body in her right eye and also noticing mucus in that eye. What? How do you do that, bro? That's, um, I mean, how do you not, like, after, like, a couple of days, wouldn't you be like, oh, what's that in my eye? Did I ever take my contacts out? <laughs> That's Who unbelievable. Does Who does this? It was literally like a deck of cards, the doctor said. It just kind of unraveled and formed a little chain link on, on her lid. I'm telling her, I think I removed more than 10 and they just kept on coming out. What is wrong with you? That's unbelievable, dude. The picture of this is unbelievable. So apparently (laughs) they were looking for this and couldn't find them. Like even the doctor couldn't find it. And so they did a thing where the lid speculum with the, you know, where the the eyelid is like stretched open and far apart, allowing her hands to move free. She looked deeper under the eyelid, saw the first couple of contacts stuck together, used a cotton swab to pull them out, but that was just the tip of the blob. She says it was literally like a deck of cards. (laughs) Oh, my God. I I think this is wild, man, that this other person 
says, oh, finding two or three is not uncommon. What? Like, what is wrong with you people? You don't know that you haven't taken it out? Yeah, I mean, and even if you fall asleep, like, wouldn't you think, like, what? Oh, here it is, Dr. Jeff Petty. Having two contacts in one eye is surprisingly common. Having three or more is pretty extraordinary. I don't know how you put two of them in there. Like, I just don't. And I've been wearing contacts in one way, shape, form, or another uh, since uh, since I was um, 17 or 18. I mean, my God, dude, that is on a different planet. Yeah. Now, I did have a stretch of about 15 years where I didn't wear them because I had LASIK surgery in probably 2000. And I just started wearing some contacts probably uh, probably three years ago. Dude, that is, I mean, I don't even know what to say about this. Yeah, see, that story was so good. We were, we, I was going to tease it, but I was just like, it's so bizarre. We have to talk about it now. I don't even know. What, I mean, this is unbelievable. I've never, I, I mean, I've been wearing contacts for 15 years or whatever it's been now, and I've never, ever put two contacts in one eye. I don't know how you do that. I don't either. I've never, I mean, like the next morning when you wake up to put your contacts in and you undo your thing, wouldn't you look in there and be like, oh, where are my contacts? I didn't put them in here. Now, I'm more like the other person who's like, I've got these that you're supposed to take out once a week or something. And, dude, I've probably had these in six weeks. Uh, but they, but I take them out when they start to irritate my eye. Like it feels like it's a piece of dirt up under them. And it hadn't happened yet. Yeah. Now, I've been doing this for a minute, so I don't need a bunch of y'all telling me how dangerous it is and how bacteria forms up under there and I'll get sick and then I all this other stuff. The doctors already told me that and I just ignore them, okay? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Well, you know, yeah, so there's a certain feeling I get when I go, oh, okay, it's time to change it now. And when that happens, yeah. guess what I do, Matt? I mean. I change them. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I am convinced that contact lenses are like oil changes. We're like, hey, make sure you're every 3,000 miles. I'm like, nah. <laughs> oh, these are for just once a month. I'm like, oh, I bet. Yeah, and part of it, y'all have to just understand how business works. They tell you that in part just so you'll keep buying them and doing them and doing them and doing them, you know? So I literally can tell you when it's time for me to take them out because it just feels they itchy, and that's when I take them out. Crazy, man. I mean, I I cannot get over this one. I just can't get over this one. (laughs) Yes. So there it is. I I hope everybody enjoyed that one. Oh, hey guys, guess what I'm about to go do? Mm. I'm about to go talk to Michael Strahan. All right, the Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah, man, you got to get out. You got to (laughs) get over to see the Hall of Famer, Michael Strahan. From talking to one Hall of Famer to another Hall of Famer, what a day for you. Wow. wow. See that? God dang it. I wish I could do that. Look at that. I'm so envious. I'm so jealous. But my boy, he he deserves it. Maybe one day Ohio State will think I'm worthy. I wonder how many. Freaking things I got to do. How many awards I got to win? Maybe they will, man. Guys, to think I'm worthy. Ah, oh, that's awesome. Jesus, if they put Albert Breer in before me, it's gonna be hell to pay. Oh my God, not Albert! Come on, that's not happening. And it's not about Albert. It's about you know. Yeah, it's the principle of the thing. Maybe they should have pity on me, like like the Hall of Fame does. Put me on like the old timers. The list. seniors committee. <laughs> yeah. Hey, somebody hit up Ohio State. And say, hey, you got Taylor on the seniors committee for the Hall of Fame. That's awesome. I'm not begging it, so if they call me next week, I'm not even accepting it. Okay, I'll accept it, but, you know, I'd be like T.O. Yeah. I won't go to the I'm not ceremony. showing up, but you can put me in there. <laughs> All right, I'll show up, but I'm not giving a speech. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, we'll show up. Well, go have fun with Michael Strahan. Hi, brother. All right. There it is. That is the Jam Session Podcast. We'll talk to you guys after the Cowboys next week. Get ready for another week of Cowboys football. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.